Hey, Flomies, welcome to another edition of the ITF Flowcast. This week, we're going to interview Martha Woodward. Now, she's the co-founder of the Quality Driven Software, software that's uh, uh, designed to help business owners be able to understand uh, how their, their employees are doing, how uh, effective they are, how profitable their work is, and also give you means to be able to incentivize uh, their work. It's, it's a re really neat software. It's something that uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the interview. But the reason why I want to have her on is because uh, she's a public speaker. Uh, she has classes all on that deal with business culture. You know, what is the culture that you have within your business? How do your employees feel about working there? How are you doing? All of these things are, are, are you know, have a, a factor on the bottom line of your business. And so we talk a lot about different things, such as what uh, different leadership styles we might have in our business. Uh, what we can do about conflict resolution to help our employees and, and us to get along better, and how we can properly incentivize our crews to be able to get the best out of them. So you're going to really enjoy it, some very valuable information. Uh, so let's listen in as we talk with Martha Woodward. Hey, Flomies, welcome to another edition of the ITF Flowcast, and we are really happy to have Martha Woodward with us. Thank you so much for joining us, Martha. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, you are really well known in the industry because you are uh, a person who really focuses on the culture, on teaching business owners to, to value the culture of their business. And that's why I really wanted to have you on. Uh, but before we get into that, um, so you are the co-owner of a software called the Quality Driven Software. And, and what is that? What's that about? What, how does that help business owners? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm actually co-founder co and now okay. the only owner, okay. <laughs> but uh, it is a survey software, but really is not much about the survey itself. It's about client retention mm -hmm. and the data that comes back into the software gotcha. is uh, it provides metrics to run employee performance programs, employee accountability, as far as disciplinary programs, etc. Awesome. Very good. Well, very, I, I'm definitely interested in that. I know I talked to the, the likes about that. Um, and uh, I know they, they really value a lot of your input, but you, you also have your own uh, service uh, business that you run, correct? A maid service? I do. Yeah, I do. So I have a, a maid service that I've had for about 13 years and um it happens to be in a neighboring state. So I'm about a hundred miles from oh, wow. our office. And, and that's really why um, I built Quality Driven because I needed to be able to watch quality from afar and like Excellent. have more than a feeling right. if we were doing well or we weren't doing well, but to actually have data. So... Yeah, I, I probably put about four or five hours a month in that business. And um, yeah, we keep hey, going. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good trade-off right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I have an office manager who does all right. the day-to-day -day and she's great. But fun fact, she is located in Georgia and oh, my, my in Oklahoma. And so um, we have zero management staff on site. On site. And wow, yet, that's amazing. And, and maid service, I think maid service, if people are particular, oh, sure. You know, it's maid service is like top of the list because we're going in people's homes, yes. in their private space. 
and we're not just at their windows. Right. You're there for a while. In all of their personal space. So, you know, I think it is quite a credit to be able to say that we can run that kind of business with nobody putting a thumb on our staff on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, but we have great staff. Yeah. uh, That's the key, right? Hiring. I'm sure we can, we can get into a little bit of that too in our conversation. Um, But I I think what's, what's helpful too, is because you do have a hand in running a business, you kind of have a pulse on how, like, for instance, with your software, how that can really benefit small business uh, owners. Because I think, um, I, what I find sometimes when I, when I talk to people who are, Hey, I can help you run your business better. Um, especially if maybe they've been detached from a business for a while and they sold their business. And now I'm in, my business is going to be helping your business grow. Right. Um, over five, 10 years, if they've been away from it, you can kind of lose touch on some of the nuances of running a business now, right. you know? Right. So I appreciate that you're still, even if it's just a few hours a month, but you still got your hand in it. And you still are able to kind of know what are some of the quirks and, and especially with COVID now. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of added so much, such another layer to running the business, you know? It has, it really has. And uh, I'm glad we're, we're not done, but I'm glad that we're getting. That's cross fingers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. So, so how did you get into the, the, um, kind of the, the, the work of helping businesses develop their culture. Like how did that even come about when you saw, you know, I want to help other companies to, to run their, their business in a way that's productive for both the employer and the employee. Well, um, by fire, you know, I, I tell you, I, I worked as a physical therapist for a long time. Hmm. And then I had this harebrained idea that I was going to start a maid service. And uh, I knew nothing about cleaning. It wasn't like I was OCD and I was this great cleaner. I loved having my house clean. And I knew that myself and a lot of my friends always struggled with finding somebody dependable. And um, I had experienced Mary Maid's uh, where we live somewhere else. And, you know, I was like, I can do that. Well, anyway, I opened a maid service and I got to tell you, I spent my first three or four years absolutely miserable. And I would say probably regretting my decision (laughs) um, to leave a great job and, uh, and put up with that nonsense. And um, it was, it, it just everything has evolved out of a need and a pain point. And so for me, it took me a good three to four years to wrap my head around. I could not lead people in the same manner that I led people when I was a director at a physical therapy department because not to in any way bash any of our employees, but those employees that I led in the past, they had been through college and mm-hmm. persevered. You know, they had mm-hmm. an, an element of self-motivation sure. and, and, and so they didn't require much of me. And I didn't really have to put so many boundaries on 
those employees. And so when I got into the maid service, one of my missions is that I wanted to be a great boss. I really felt a calling for the fact that service employees have to put up with a lot. Um, you know, they've possibly come to us with a lot of damage, mm -hmm. either from possibly their home and the way that they were raised. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe they worked for jerk bosses because if you think about it, I mean, mm -hmm. they may feel a little more trapped in a job than now. I know a lot of employees leave on a dime, you know, and don't yeah. feel trapped, but they don't have as many possibilities or at least they don't think they do um, as we do. And so I think that they'll, tend to put up with more. And yeah. I didn't want to be that kind of boss. So in turn, my first three, four years, I was too nice. Like I was very wishy-washy. I was just getting trampled and equated that with I want to be a nice boss. I want to be flexible. I want to be. And then I finally figured out, you know, I had a low, low point and I finally figured out that, you know what, that's not being a nice boss. That is being irresponsible. That's an yes. irresponsible boss. And that it really was my great employees that helped me see I, you know, I could see the frustration in them with me and it clicked finally that, oh, by, you know, me making the choice to look away when, you know, they're absent too much or this or that, I'm not only hurting myself, but I'm really hurting my best employees because yes. who do you ask to take up the slack? Yeah. Yep. So that's how, you know, it was like, I hit that and then decided, well, how am I going to fix it? And so that's wow. when I started fixing it. So, so how did you transition from getting to where you were happy with your system of leadership mm -hmm. to, okay, now I can kind of not really bottle it, but, you know, put it in, in a compartment where you can now say, Hey, these are some things that you as a window cleaner or, a yeah. soft washer or pressure washer, you can now take these things and bring this culture to your business. Yeah. Well, that's only been in the last couple of years. And okay. I was very slow to evolve to that where I would feel comfortable saying, okay, yeah, I do know about that. You know, I, it's not, I had, um, you know, Megan likes, she really was probably the person, and I'm sure she'll listen to this, but she probably was the person who hardcore pushed me to bottle it up. And I, uh, I, I just have to say, Megan is such a great cheerleader. You yeah, know, she if, is. If she, if she, she believes is. in you and she believes that what you're doing is great, she's such a great cheerleader. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, she, she had, she was in the audience of, um, a seminar I was doing at the huge convention. And um, anyway, 
from that point on, you know, Megan's like, you have to sell this. You have to, and, um, and I'm, it took me a while to be able to say that I'm really glad she did. But um, the other thing is because I built the software with my co-founder, Maria Dorian, um, the software, while it seems like it's about surveys and scores and all this, the software, as time goes on, I have found out that even my own software has evolved and I needed the software to run the things in my company culture that I did. But what we, for a long time, we had a disconnect and I provided the software, but I didn't provide the teaching about, mm. so here's how you take all that data and run programs because I use that data for, you know, bonus programs, disciplinary programs, career ladders, points programs, everything. And, and I think initially I didn't want to like say, Hey, here's how you do it, you know, or here's how you should do it. But then over time, what I found is people needed something. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's, how I got to teaching that, and I'm still a kind of a, well, if you want to do this, you know, <laughs> I'm still like that, but I'm becoming more and more comfortable saying, listen, I know this is an easier road to hoe if you do it this way. Right, right. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's really so. good. That's awesome. And, and, and I really appreciate that you do, because I know I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to take your classes. I'm going to, <laughs> I just got to make some time to take them because I've been looking at them for, for a while now. And I really am impressed with how they're arranged, you know, and I'm looking forward to getting to the meat of it. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of what you, what you're, what you're teaching is, has based on the leadership style of the owner in the business. So, what are some different leadership styles that you are, you've seen and like, which are the ones that you really want to avoid that you kind of see a lot and it's kind of a common mistake. And then which are the ones that you're like, yeah, these are, this is what you want to strive for when it comes to leading a crew. Of people. So I've definitely see a lot of the too nice or a pushover or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think sometimes we label it as too nice, but it's just fear of enforcing rules, fear of people leaving. And oh, I get sure. it. Yeah. Um, that's one style. Another style is kind of the dictatorship, you know, where there's, there's really no communication within the company. And it's just, everything is handed down and there's, it's not two way, it's one way. And there's really no trust in that type of a leadership system. Like for instance, you know, maybe it's a style where you're not sharing the, like you don't want your employees to know what you're charging for that job or you wouldn't share, 
I mean, there's no way you can't share the address, but you wouldn't share any of the, let them see any of the client contact information because they might steal your clients, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. But really the reason that they have to worry about that kind of thing is because there is no trust in that company. You know, there is no mutual respect. And when you're doing it just a one way, I'm the boss, you're the underlings, then you're, you're kind of cultivating that type of culture. And, And the only way to keep it going is to, be withholding of information and so forth. I've had that, that exact conversation with a a fellow um, business owner. And we were talking about that and he was asking me, well, you know, do your, do your employers know what, or your employees know what you're charging? I said, well, of course, yeah, it's all in the customer file. When they collect, they got to know how much it is. And he's like, oh no, you can't do that because they're going to start their business. They're going to know what you charge. They're going to undercut you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Okay, so you want me to create an environment where my employees already know I don't trust them and I'm going to assume that they are going to stab me in the back. Right. Why then why would they do anything more than what's what's bottom line to to help my business, you know, other than what's just expected of them because right. now I've established a purely secular relationship with this individual, you know, whereas I trust that I'm giving them trust, so that means that they they know I trust them. They're going to want to keep earning that trust. And if someone did happen to break away, I have enough confidence in one, our, our quality, our reputation that we can withstand if we happen to lose a couple customers, you know, and if a person is that sneaky and has that lack of ethics to try and use that information, they're not going to last, you know, they're not going to my, that I'm going to, I'm going to withstand that, you know, but I think that's a really good point because when you're, when your employees feel like you trust them and you're, you're on their side like that, it's like, that's when they're willing to go through a wall for you. You know, that's when they're really willing to go the extra mile uh, when they see that you, you value them as an individual and as a, an asset to the business rather than just a little pawn that you can use and then flick away when, when you don't need anymore. Right. Right. And, you know, I mean, I absolutely have had a, a, employee leave and try to take some clients. Um, I've had that happen to me, but you know, like everything else, if you're running it the right way, you're going to get that now and then, but you can't make, you can't design your company culture around those few bad apples and just ruin your whole culture to Mm. prevent that that little bitty chance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think people find that the more that they run it, the way you describe, then the more that, you know, all of these great things start happening mm-hmm. and, uh, you allow people to flourish in your kind of system. So, and you know, personally, if I couldn't trust my employees with that kind of information, <laughs> Then the first thing I have to ask myself is, why, why would I even yeah, have that employee here? <laughs> exactly. And you know, and then the second thing is, what am I doing wrong? Right. You know, why why couldn't I? Because when you work at a retail store or a, a, you know at a restaurant or whatever, you know what they charge. You mm-hmm. know, 
I mean, if you wanted to put the math to it, you could figure out what the store's doing every day and so forth. And so, you know, if you're not making your business seem enough like a true business that there's a lot that goes on behind that money, you know, yes. and it's not going into our pockets a hundred percent. So, uh, and even about that, you know, I do, I educate about twice a year. I educate the staff on our expenses. I talk yes. percentages and where things go so that they understand. And I especially do it if I feel like I have somebody that I'm questioning, you know, it's basically, well, let me just show you that this is a little harder than you think. And then yes. if they don't get it with that, then I'm like, well, more power to you. You don't steal my customers, but more power to you. Go try it and see how easy it is, <laughs> you know, because yep. it's not, and we know that. And, and I think that's important to do, especially if they're asking for raises as well, you know, is yeah. to educate them because that, that's what I always tell pe- my, my employees is I say, look, I want to pay you as much money as I can, because the more I pay you, the more you're going to want to stay with me, the more you're going to want to keep this job and you're going to want to do your best to, to ensure that you, you maintain, you know, your standard of living. However, what you do has to just, you know, the business has to justify paying you that. And if I'm paying you so much that we're losing profit because you're not meeting the, the back end of it, then why would I give you a raise? It makes no, no business sense, you know? And so we'll break down. These are the expenses, you know, look, you're, this is what you needed to be a lead. This is where the next raise is going to be for you. But if you're not able to meet those basic requirements to be a lead, I can't send you by yourself to a job, or I can't send you where you're, you know, I can't, I have to send you with someone who's experienced, not with someone who's learning. So now you lose value to the company because now you can't be used in this thing. But whereas if you were, had these qualities, now you're an asset to the company because you now can form your own crew. And now that's another, another avenue of income for the business. And I'll pay you for that, you know, but, but if you're not willing to do these things, you know, and it's always the guys who are always late and it's always the guys who, you know, are complaining about other workers and stuff. And then they're the ones who are asking for the raise after three months of, of working for you. Um, But, you know, you have to educate them to understand. It's not, I, I don't just have a bag of money and I just decide, oh, I'll pay, oh, maybe I'll pay you this today. Maybe, you know, it's like, no, there's, there's <laughs> formulas that go into determining what I can afford to pay you to make it worth sending you out on a job, you know, right, and, and right. helping them to understand that sometimes gets them past the whole, uh, like you say, that, that magic curtain of the business, <laughs> that there are actually things behind there that are happening and are expensive <laughs> and cost right. money behind just that, that money that they see the customer paying the business. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of transparency. So, you know, we talked a little bit about that, but um, so people listening, they're not going to be able to see what I have behind me, but like that is a career ladder. And it, I have on our career ladder and it's posted in the office awesome. big for people to see. But before they ever come to us, they, if they do what they're supposed to do, they should be able to look up there and say, oh, shoot, okay, I've got to get that one thing before yeah, that's, that's I can really ask for promotion. I yeah, I well, I am a big believer in putting everything in their hands mm-hmm. 
you know, so I'm not responsible for your success. You are responsible for your success. And the only way I can do that is if I make it, you know, that roadmap, think of it as the, you know, the atlas of how you get from here to here. I have to make all those steps really, really clear. Um, And, you know, I just, I have, my walls are just, here's how you get this bonus. Here's how you get this bonus. And then this is how I really met Megan is I talked about that my employees have a bonus tracker and they get that at the beginning of the week. I make them track their own revenue, their own everything. And then they tell us if they got the bonus and and, and the thing is, the reason I went that way is because one day I was in the office when they were doing payroll, and this is when some of us were still in the office, and I was watching her, my person doing payroll, I was watching her having to figure out all these bonuses, and it was really time consuming, and sure. believe me, the time invested in pay for performance is absolutely worth it because it drives everything. But, but I thought this is really tedious. And so, you know, it was another light bulb moment where I'm like, well, why are we figuring out if they got a bonus, they need to own it. And, you know, and a lot of the bonuses, it's an incentive. So I want them to see on the plate, you know, how far they are from getting that bonus. And if they're tracking it themselves, they know exactly what they have to do to get it. And then, and then the other part is if people don't turn in their bonus tracker, or if they say, you know, no bonus, then we don't have to go verify all that. Right. We only verify the ones that say they that's got it. Did. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant. So, that is brilliant, Martha. I well, I, I'm, I've got the lazy style of leadership. And there's <laughs> less that we can do, the less busy work. You know, I, I want all these programs to run, but but really, you know, it, it makes perfect sense. And yeah. um, I once had a girl interview with me and I was telling her about our bonus programs. And she said, you know, I love that. And I think I must have told her, you know, you track your own bonus and blah, blah, blah. She goes, you know, I, I worked at the bank. And she said that we would get monthly bonuses, but we would never know till the next month, about halfway in, mm-hmm. if we got it or not. And she said, the only way we'd know it is it would appear on our check. Yes. And if it didn't appear on our check, we didn't get it, but we had no idea. You I, know, she said it felt like a crapshoot. She was yeah. like, it, and, and it also felt like favoritism because sure. there was no, you know, transparency. And you just, you were like waiting and like, up, oh, I didn't get it. And she said, so you never tried harder. Right. Because you didn't think it mattered you didn't know if they were going to get the payoff yeah she said it felt very arbitrary uh, and, you I, know, i'm sure she didn't use those words but she, that, that's the way it felt for her and um that validated 
you know, I'm like, heck yeah, you know exactly if you're right. getting it or not. Right, yeah. right. That's I love that. I, I, I used to work for a bank. I was a, a teller for a while. I know exactly how that felt. And like you said, yeah. and, and the thing was too, so you had quotas you had to hit, then yeah. you had bonuses and you knew when you hit the quota, okay. but you didn't always know when you hit the bonus. And I know that feeling of like, well, gosh, should I, you know, you're, it's a long day and the customer's okay. already annoyed with you. Do I push these credit cards? Do right. I, cause you know, how close am I? Do I right. really want to have a rotten day and then still come short? And you just had no idea because it would fluctuate, you know, and right. you didn't know what you had. You didn't know if, if you gave a form to someone, did it really close? I mean, you just had no you had zero idea and then you work hard. And then, like you said, you'd show up, look at your check, nothing. And you just yeah. be like, oh, well, why am I going to try then? You know? Right. So I, I love that, that transparency. Cause then they know, they know right. um, where, where they're at and, oh, if I just push a little harder, if I can get a review or if I can, you know, get uh, this done in this time frame, you know, that, that's, that's wonderful. I really love that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just, it's a kinder, more fair way to do things in that um, we always, you always just want to empower people and um and then when they hit it, we, I mean, even though these are weekly bonuses, I still believe and try hard to make sure to acknowledge when people hit their bonuses. And, um, you know, we do the little memes and this and that in our private groups and say, hey, so-and-so got the productivity bonus, so-and-so got the attendance bonus. And you know, it does a few things. It's there's your attaboys. And if you think about it, our employees really aren't, for the most part, goal setters. So this is our way of setting goals for them and go, wow, you made it. You made yeah. it. And uh, and giving that positive reinforcement and, and making them feel better about their job Excellent. and the performance that they have at the company. So yeah. It just is, it's, it's really incredibly easy to do if you step back and look at it. And yet people don't do it because they think it's too much trouble. Sure, sure. Yeah. It, yeah. it, feel, it feels like it's a huge thing. I know it for me, as a business way, owner, yeah. but, but like you said, if you just kind of take a, 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 a overview of it and look at what you're doing, it, it it's, it is some work initially, but after a while, once it kind of gets going, then it's gone. You know, it seems yeah. like it's kind of self-propelling. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I would say we probably, and when I say we, uh, my office manager probably spends an hour or so a week on those type of programs, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, you know, if we didn't do it, we would be spending probably three to five hours on fixing problems. Yes. You know, so it's kind of like, how do you want to spend your time? Right. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that information. That was great. Now, the next topic I wanted to kind of ask you about, because uh, I've heard good things as well, is regarding to uh, conflict resolution. And you know, you've got a crew of guys or girls and, and you guys are there and there's going to be, they're gonna be working together. They're long hours, sometimes hard work. It's, it's natural that there's going to be some headbutting. So what do you do when there's a, a couple people 
who just really seem to not get along, you know, uh, I, I, just for like, for my situation, we had an ins, uh, a situation where there was two um, and, and, and it wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't like they were coming to blows or nothing. They just were annoyed with each other. They just didn't, didn't you know, when they worked together, they, neither of them had a good day. Right. And um, so I, as much as I could, I tried to keep them in separate crews. And as long as we did that, that was great. But there was some times I had no choice. I had to put them together because that was where, what, what the schedule dictated. And um, I just, one, one guy eventually quit and it it was fine, but I, I never really felt like I resolved anything. You know, I, I, I mitigated it, but I never really tried to make the situation work. And I kind of like what you were saying about being too nice. uh, I, I felt like I, I let the business suffer I let these guys dictate right. how I run my business because I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable with that. So what are some advice you have for business owners who are trying to deal with those type of interpersonal personnel uh, situations? And these, I would say this is probably the hardest, more subjective thing that you have to deal with in your culture um, because you're going to have personalities that clash. But I will tell you, when, when you have A-level employees that are doing their job, typically they are not that hard to get along with. Um, most of those employees can kind of roll with the punches Mm -hmm. as long as their partner's doing their job. Mm -hmm. That's typically where I see the problem is when that person is pulling them down. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, that becomes even more relevant when you start doing pay for performance and you start mixing these customer satisfaction scores in their pay. And then it does create more of a rift and much more quick, quickly, um, when you have some C and D players on the team. Um, so ultimately you have to figure out who is the C and D player, you know, you might not know, um, initially. So one thing that I tell people is, you really, most of us, it's just human nature. We as management bosses want to ignore it. We want, you know, we see it and we're like, dang, you know, they're not getting along, you know, uh, and we think it and we do all that, but we really don't address it. And we let it fester until we kind of have to do something about it. And believe me, I've done it. I've seen it. I've, you know, <laughs> and um, and what I've found is you just gotta hit it on head on. And so, um, now I'm not in the office much anymore. And in fact, because of COVID, you know, none of us we just we mm-hmm. kind of evolved into a new style of we go straight to the house and so forth. But when I was in the office and the teams were coming into the office. Um, I would be the person I'm telling you, if you just looked 
unhappy or looked ticked off or, you know, just, you know, or, or sometimes I would say something and somebody would give me an eye roll or something. And I mean, and we had a great level of communication, but I would be like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I think I want to uh, talk to you and get more into this, you know, and the thing is when you have conversations often and about little things, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's true. just that it's, it's easier to not do it, but it's kind of like um, the other example is that you could spend a little bit of effort when it's small, or you could not spend that time, That's let right. it fester, let it build, and then have this big problem, mm-hmm. which is probably going to implode to at least one or both end up quitting or getting fired. So hit it when it's small. And I start by um, talking to them separately. So I would talk to each person and say, Hey, I kind of noticed that it, you know, it looks like you all aren't getting along, blah, 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 blah. And the other thing that I do is I don't take, that's eh, fine. You know, I don't take those kind of answers right. for an answer. I'm like, mm, no, no, it's not fine. And I'm like, you're going to stay here until you talk to me. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, I always equate it. I've got two grown kids now, but I kind of equate it to that, you know, where your kids would be like, it's nothing, you know, or whatever, but th- there was the attitude with it. And you're like, no, no, we're going to talk about it. And um, so anyway, I talk to them. I get, I, I get out of them what they're feeling. And then if it's a he said, she said kind of thing, then I get them both together and say, you guys, listen, this is a job. You know, you may not love each other as personalities that you, your personalities might not click. But what I need you to do is I need you to find a way to be able to work together in a professional manner where the client would never know there's a rift between you. And I don't care if you talk to each other at all after you get home, you know, Mm -hmm. but we have to find a way to work together. And if you can't work together, then we're coming up with a different solution. I don't know what that solution is yet. And so I have them do their version of the story together And then, and you know, so much of the time, so your employees do exactly what I described that you do as the boss. They're mad at each other, but they're not communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what the employees say, you can tell it's the first time that they've ever heard their frustration, you know? Kind of like a husband and wife that, you know, the wife's mad about how they do the toothpaste or whatever. And, but they never say that, you know, sometimes it's easy to fix if you just, and and most of us are not taught to be great communicators. And so therefore we're not. And so that's the way I start. And then 
you know, and I leave it at, listen, this is not going to be acceptable. And so if you can't find a way to work together, I need you to come back to me and we'll come up with plan B. Mm -hmm. And plan B might be separating them and putting them on different teams. But here's where quality driven comes in handy is because we get feedback from a high percentage of our clients. And that feedback comes back, even if they work as teams, the feedback is attached to individuals. So, you know, if, if team A is employee one and two and team B is three and four, but then you switch them up, then it's still gonna follow that employee wherever they're working. And so if I have to split people up, I can see the scores ah, so and you, you I see one for one following one. Yeah, and, right. So if I've got this, you know, grade D employee that's causing the problems. And then I went and moved them with this employee that had high quality scores, then, well, that employee, the, the higher quality scores isn't going to like it either, but now I've got some data. And I've actually had to use that for unemployment. I've had, you know, I've been able to show mm-hmm. that That's here's awesome. what I've done. And, you know, so, and, and you know, I, I have to let my employees know I have your back. If you're doing your job, I have your back. Yeah. And, uh, and you, there's a, you can separate out by what they did and those kind of things. So I never knew that that was exactly what would come out of it, but it did. So that was helpful. Very <laughs> it good. helpful. And, and just to, to touch a little bit more about the importance of addressing it early um, with that one, that those two guys that I mentioned earlier, uh-huh. uh, I was just like what you said. I didn't want to deal with it. I, yeah. I just, I wanted them to be adults and to work yeah. it out, you know? Yeah. And a couple of times where I had to address, I would just say, okay, you, look, you guys got to figure it out. Okay. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and I left it like that. And then eventually I had to, like you said, have that sit down, talk with them. But by the time I did, I was frustrated. So I wasn't a mediator anymore. <laughs> I yeah. was now, what is wrong with you guys? Why can't you, yeah. is this right. kindergarten? Is this, you know, what, you know, what are you guys, what am I going to have to yeah. do? You know? go get a switch from the art you know here i'm you know, giving this talk to these guys yeah, and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't productive you know i mean they obviously got the point they got the point that i was upset and that what they were doing was causing was hurting the business but it could have i, I know i could have handled it so much better had i just taken the time in the beginning when i saw problems were developing right. and said wait a second here there's something here let's address this now and get it out of the way you know because it really was it just really just boiled down to a personality issue you know yeah. Uh, there was one employee who just was very nitpicky and just very always mm-hmm. kind of looking for the negative in, in that guy. And yeah. the other guy was just kind of going along, but now he's getting annoyed because he keeps, you know, oh, he should be doing this. He should be doing this. You know, he's getting annoyed that he's this, who was a, a younger guy and, and, and newer to the window cleaning industry yeah. was telling him how to do his job, you know? Yeah. So that could have easily have been if I had just sat him down and just said, look, you're you're he's the lead (laughs) you're the tech he what what he says goes he has the authority in this now if there's really an issue let me know and i'll deal with it but i don't want you talking you know and i ended up i I did end up telling them that but again that was after maybe two months of turmoil that they had working together and i could have avoided all that you know so 
yeah, addressing early on is is always as as uncomfortable as it may be. It's always better because yeah. then you're not the one exploding too. <laughs> right, right. And I forgot to say that one of the the very first thing I do is when when I pull them back and I get the story and I have like one usually there's one person more upset than the other mm -hmm. the other a lot of times it's just like I don't know what's wrong with them <laughs> and um so when that person starts telling me what they're unhappy about my first thing that I say is have you talked to them and I mean it's amazing that very few times yeah. and it happens I mean 95 percent of the time no, they haven't told the appropriate person. My husband still does this. He, he's a pharmacist. He works and he'll be mad at somebody. And I'm like, have you talked to them? He's like, I'm not their boss. And I'm like, but you're two human beings that, you know, have to coexist. And if you could just say, hey, that bugs me. Can you not do that? You know, and <laughs> so it. I don't get it. Why there has to be drama. Um, and people say, I don't like confrontation. Well, if you just have a conversation yeah. and discuss it, it is not, you know, confrontational, but I think so many of us, the, our communication style is you don't say anything. You don't say anything. You don't say anything. And then you blow up. Explode, yeah. You know? And uh, so that's why they think, well, I don't like confrontation. Right. Because they never went through the conversations, you know? Yes. So, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, and I don't remember being raised where we had to talk everything out. But, uh, you know, I think it comes back to, for me, being fair. So there's no way for me to be fair to my employees. If I, if we are not all on the same level of awareness of the problem. Yeah. And I always say, if you're like, if you're like my husband, where you're mad enough that you go and complain to somebody else about somebody and you haven't talk to that person, you know, and it applies to me as the owner. If I'm complaining about somebody that works for me and I'm irritated with them, I sure as heck shouldn't be complaining about them if I've not talked to them. Yep. Giving them a chance to make the, make the change. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, we've been dealing with, with, uh, um, inter crew conflict. What about when it's employer employee conflict? And I'll give you a specific situation. Oh. I had one employee, young guy too. And, you know, he, I don't know for sure, but he seemed like he kind of struck me like he was a little bit on the spectrum, you know, where mm -hmm. just kind of social cue issues, yeah. Yeah. Um, hard worker, always on time, but was one of those that he was, he was 19 years old and he would tell me how to run my business. You yeah. know, like he would call me up literally at nine o'clock at night. And we would spend 20 minutes, him explaining to me why I needed to redo my cruise uh -huh. and why I needed to do this and why I should, do, why am I not, why am I not doing this? And, and I would, you know, and I would just be like, look, I'm, this is my family time. You're taking me away from my family time. So first of all, no, I'm not changing my cruise. Second of all, we'll talk about this tomorrow when you're on the clock, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, it just kept happening and happening. And no matter how I told him, you know, 
you need to stop. Um, we finally had a big heart to heart. And again, the same thing, I sat him down and I was really upset, uh, but I told him how it was. And I told him, look, this is, these are the lines. If you cross them, we're done. I'm firing you, you know? And, and he just needed to know the boundaries. You yeah, know? Exactly. And, and he, he just yeah. needed to know when, cause he didn't understand that he was crossing, you know, in his mind, he's being this great help to my business when in, in reality, he's taking away my peace, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, Anyways, we ended up parting ways, but when you're having difficulty connecting with an employee and you seem like you're butting heads, what are some good strategies to help mitigate that? You know, obviously if they're a bad employee, you get rid of them. I mean, I'm not talking about that, but when you're talking about someone who has good qualities, but they just don't seem like they're, they're, you guys are, are meshing, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I think you have to be as a, as a business owner and leader, I think you have to be fairly self-aware. Um, you have to, like the very first thing that I ever, when we have a problem, I have to just figure out what's my role. What am I doing to perpetuate that? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I would have said, you know, as like I have a real boundary rule and that early on, I just, nobody, you cannot call. Mm -hmm. I will not answer any text after business hours. And, um, and, you know, back in the day when I was the one doing the scheduling and stuff, I let them, you know, I told them you can text me if you're sick and you think you're not going to be there tomorrow, but I am, you know, I, I'll do a thumbs up or something. We're not going to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm very protective of my personal time. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to be with our clients and with our employees for sanity's sake. People need to understand the boundaries, yeah. but the other thing is, um, because, you know, if you didn't engage with him, he wouldn't have repeatedly oh, yeah. called no, you I, in the evening. I encouraged him because I, I felt like I was showing him respect, right. but with someone who is not catching the social cues, that, didn't, that was meaningless. It meant, it I, meant green light, right. <laughs> you got permission. Exactly. It, but you know what? You could have respected him during work hours yep. and in yep. that you're off the clock during mm-hmm. personal hours, you know, um, especially somebody that is having boundary issues. But um, so with something like that, um, I have occasionally had a situation where like they were a good employee. I, as far as when I say good employee, you know, good quality, good attendance, no attitudes, mm-hmm. but there was just something about them. And usually that just something about them is entitlement for me. It, that there's just something about them that hits me wrong. Mm-hmm. So I have to figure out, okay, so what is it that bothers me about them? And, you know, is it really like a quality issue, an attendance mm-hmm. issue blah, 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 that I need to deal with? And that's cut and dry and I need to deal with it. Um, or is it just that feeling or that? 
And so when I have something like that, and again, for me, when I've had it, it's usually that they act a little entitled. Then I make sure to be very clear with my expectations and so forth. And <laughs> I hate to say, but when I get the opportunity to make sure that I let them know they're not entitled, you know, like um, I'm, I am actually the one running the show because I don't act that way as far as I don't right. want to ha- be that kind of leader. Like but that dictator that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah uh, but so we're very open communication and um, like I just had a staff meeting with them yesterday face to face. And, you know, I always leave thinking, oh, man, I, I love them. You know, they're great. But occasionally I'll get somebody um, because we do have open communication. I'll occasionally get them foiled. I'll be like, well, I think we should do this. Mm-hmm. Or I think we should do this, you know, mm-hmm. and um, in kind of an entitled way. And I'll be like, huh, okay. So, you know, I usually just put questions back to them. So, about how much money you think that costs? And, you know, and then say, okay, so if we're just making budget now, where would I get that money? You know, and I just start trying to show them. them. Yeah. 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 And then a lot of times when I get that sense of entitlement, then we go through that process and we recently went through it with um, wanting to pay raise. And it was when, you know, we were not growing in COVID and all that. And I said, So I can't, I cannot give you a pay raise when we're not bringing in additional money. And, and we also had a problem um, with planned absence time. So you gotta, my staff are primarily females, single moms. They take a lot of time off for appointments and et cetera. And so what I did is, you know, a lot of times I'll say, okay, so I hear your problem. I hear what you're asking for, and I will come back to you the next meeting and tell you, you know, can we do it? Can we not do it? And um, so I had my office manager figure out over the last six months, how much revenue we had lost due to plan time off. Mm. And um, because that is one of the things that we say in our job ads that we're flexible and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. um, with planned time off. And uh, so anyway, I came back and it was like a number like 15,000 or something. And um, and so I came back and, you know, that's kind of easy to do when you have multiple team members over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came back with that number. And of course that number sounds big to everybody. And I'm like, so here's a problem, you know, because I'm flexible and this is actually, you could consider a benefit, a benefit, a raise and and, you know, because I do allow all of this planned time off, it actually hurts the business, you guys. 
And so if you were actually to be here more, then we would generate more revenue. And I want to be flexible, but it's a give and take. And uh, so I said, I go, here's what I'll do. And so that's when I put in an attendance bonus. I said, I will pay you X amount more an hour if you've not missed any time. And the only thing I exclude is paid vacation time. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, in my company, they earn everything, including paid time off. Mm -hmm. They don't get any uh, time off. They earn paid time off. And um, in like the higher performance, some more days they get. But uh, so I don't penalize them on something they earn, but something they take like unpaid time off, I do. And so I, I just made it to where, okay, here's your raise, but guess what? You have to show up for awesome. the entire shift yep. for every day, you know? And, um, and so that's how we did it. And awesome. um, so I, I do try to empower them as much as I can, but make yeah. sure that it's a win-win for both of us. Yeah. That's, that's really good. We're, we're, we're just about out of time, but I did want to talk a little bit more about this incentivizing because um, yeah, it sounds like the, the, t- the t- kind that you've mentioned right now um, seem very effective, but I also know, not, not for me personally, but f- I've heard other horror stories of incentive programs that have gone really wrong, <laughs> you know, and, and of course, you know, look, our employees are smart. If yeah. they know that there's some loophole or there's some way to maximize an incentive program, they can easily take that program and where you're losing money now, you know, and you now have to honor it because that was what you set up and you're keeping your word. So what are some, what are some, some hallmarks of effective uh, incentive programs for um, employees that aren't going to break the bank for the employer? Okay. Well, the first thing I would say is you really have, you can't slap an incentive program on a toxic culture. Because then it seems like it seems like the carrot and the stick approach versus that you're actually rewarding them. Gotcha. And uh, so that's the first thing I would say is that you kind of have to have your culture somewhat in order um, or at least semi-healthy before you do it. because it'll seem like the wrong motives. But um, the other thing that I would say is that when you launch a program, you flat out say, so I've tried to think of everything. And, you know, and I tell my employees, this needs to be a win-win for both of us. And so I want to reward you with this program, but I might have to make tweaks along oh, the way if there's something I haven't thought of. So, so for print. example, um, yeah. And, um, it, and I think people think once they launch it, they're stuck with it. Um, and again, if you have open communication, you can come back and say, okay, you all, I did not think of if this happened. So for example, I have a um, productivity bonus. And if they hit certain amount of revenue for the week uh, and their quality score is above a certain level, then they get an extra $1.50 an hour. Well, 
what happened to me one time was, um, and I think it happened a couple of times and, and I was like, stop, <laughs> you know, um, so <laughs> somebody hit the productivity bone, their, their revenue, they hit their quality score, but they, they could still hit the quality score, but they had a complaint that caused the customer to leave us. Um, you know, we're mostly every other week type of service. And so when a customer cancels, then that's about $2,500 of revenue for the year from that customer. Yeah. So as I am paying their bonus, I'm like, uh, they, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. So I came, you know, I'm like, okay, just like our laws, you know, there's an addendum <laughs> and now you know, and you can't just, you can't have like 10 addendums, you know? <laughs> but, um, but now I'm like, I went back and explained, okay. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm telling you it, I cannot write you a bonus and I just lost $2,500. <laughs> I can't do it. And so, and, you know, it, then it was like, but what, you know, what if it's da 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 da? You know, what if it's uh, a crazy client or a blah blah blah? And I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you this: that was one week, and you start fresh next week. And I'm not making exceptions. If I lose a client because of the job that you did, I am not writing you a bonus check. You know, and uh, and you know what? They get it. They get it. And if they don't get it. They're not the kind of employees that are going to stay working for me. So, uh, you know, I want reasonable people. And um, as long as, you know, it would be a whole nother thing if I just said, no, you're not getting a bonus. And from now on, you know, and then that sounds like, oh, she's just making it harder right. so we can never get it. You exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Excellent, yeah. excellent advice. Well, thank you so much for your time, Martha. We really appreciate it. That was very helpful. I think we're going to have to have you on again because I still have a ton of ton of other questions. So maybe six months down the road, we'll bring you back again. You can uh, bring some other points to help us out. But Sounds uh, good. I can uh, talk. I'm sorry. No, no, that's <laughs> awesome. It's really great stuff. I mean, and like I said, we have so many other aspects of, of how to build a culture, a, a good culture in, in, your, um, in your business that it's it's we need that in itf so thanks for taking the time yeah. uh, we appreciate you and uh, we look forward to your continued uh, work in itf as well helping us out with yeah you. i'll see you in the group sounds good and thank you flow for listening hope you have a great week you guys take care and flow on <laughs>